gentlemen, welcome back to Mondays Down South. I know we've had uh, quite the break and um, just want to give you guys a heads up that if you hear some commotion in the background, I got some uh, some family and family friends playing water pong in the other room, which is why you're seeing me in this different setup. However, I'm sorry, did I hear did I hear vodka pong or water pong? Uh, you know, it's clear liquids, clear liquids. <laughs> Take it out, you will. Go with that. Um, Maybe a little gin after, pong. Oh, <laughs> coming in hot with the gin. Woo. Ed flexing um, with his little mixed drink over there. Sorry, sorry. Go for it. Oh no, you're you're good. No, no, no I'm, I'm here for it. I'm I'm uh, I got my two things of water, so I don't really know how much to flex here. But all I know is I'm missing this, missing this situation. Um, for our viewers that have joined us before, today has been very Mondays Down South esque. I played uh, basketball at our usual uh, courts, and then I went to Texas Roadhouse. So. Uh, Shout out to our to our Mondays Down South routine when these guys are home. I was missing you guys a little extra. So it's a perfect night to record uh, record a podcast, if, if you will. And uh, with that being said, Evan, Zach, you guys got anything you want to mention um, before we get the ball rolling? Yeah, I got two questions for you, Sai. First of all, did you smoke Julian in one-on-one? And two, did you order the boneless wings at Texas Roadhouse? Okay, so to, I answered the text roadhouse one first. We got the uh, fried pickles. So no boneless wings today, but I did get my usual ribeye, so that hit. Um, and I would like I would like to say I smoked Julian. That has not been the case. He wasn't there today, but when we played a few days ago, um, he won two out of, I believe, or I think he won. I think we had three games of 21, and he won one. Um, he's been playing well, though. I got to give a shout-out to Julian. If he's listening, he's been playing real well. So we'll, uh, Zach, we need you to come back and Adam, I'm going to need you to come back. We're going to get some two on two in there and, uh, get him to stop talking that, you know, stop talking that trash. All right. That works. That's I can take care of that. I can take care of I, that for you. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get back into it. here. Right? I'm trying to get back into it. <laughs> He's Isaiah Thomas in his prime. Meanwhile, let's jump over to Mr. Zach McCulloch to talk about his favorite NFL player in the history of the NFL being traded from his team. I know how much that sucks. I know how much it's, that is not fun to watch. And I know, uh, I know you're still going to be rooting for him. So uh, let's let Zach tee this up. Uh, Julio Jones to the Tennessee Titans. Um, you could talk about the compensation. You could talk about it from the Falcons end uh, and just and just kind of kind of get the ball rolling here. Go ahead, sir. Sounds good. Well, to start off with my favorite – what's this song called? Hang on. Who is this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Bruno Mars. That's the guy's name. I was looking up his name. Julio, get the stretcher. Okay, in reality, we really, really hope tennis, the Tennessee Titans, that does not happen to them. Because if that does happen to them, they are absolutely screwed. This was a deal from the heavens for a Tennessee Titans fan because not only did they effortlessly bring in Julio Jones, they only gave up a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick in 2023. And... Okay, yeah, sure. They have to eat the $15.3 million for a top-tier wide receiver. But what they do is they just restructure Tannehill's deal, and they essentially push that money to another year with a $30 million signing – or uh, essentially a $30 million extra salary cap in 2022. So essentially salary cap this year is $180, $185 million, I believe. It's going up to $215 million in 2022. So they'll be able to shelve that and work with that next year, no problem. More importantly, you're now equipping Ryan Tannehill, who was a 33-touchdown pass and seven-interception quarterback last year with one of the best receivers in football, and his contract is only $15 million this year. 
So, I mean, that's, that's incredible because if you look at some of the other tier one wide receivers, like let's pick on DeAndre Hopkins, that man's making about 25 to 27 million this year. Uh, pretty astronomical if you ask me. So the fact that, you know, they're able to bring on Julio, the Falcons have to pay a little bit. I think it's 7 million of the 15 million next year. But the reason why this is so good for the Titans is Julio on his, on the deal that he signed with the Falcons only has 17 million guaranteed period. So if Julio is not good this year, which, you know, obviously is very, would be very unforeseen. The Titans only have to pay $2 million in guaranteed money to get them off the books. I mean, this is as good as it can possibly get guys. I'm excited for the Tennessee Titans, um, considering the fact that they're not in my division and they're not in the NFC. Cy, I'm sure you could you could say otherwise. Um, but very, very excited about this. And I'm curious to get your thoughts, E. Maybe we could pass it to you before pass it to Cy, because I do have an overarching question to Cy and, and maybe some advice over what the Colts can do similarly um, if they want to compete in that division. So, Ev, I'll kick it to you. What do you think about Julio and everything? Yeah, no, I think it's great. I mean, pairing him with with A.J. Brown is going to make A.J. Brown that much more explosive as a number two. I mean, obviously, Derrick Henry, so you you have the play-action game working with Tannehill. Like, um, I, think, I think it's just a great fit on offense. Um, and it is interesting. Once I actually thought about it, they did have a lot of production to replace. Like, like Corey Davis is nothing special. Obviously, Julio is a huge upgrade over him. But, like, between Corey Davis and Johnny, like, they had a decent amount of production they needed to replace. So... Um, this fills that void and then some um, and gives them, you know, those three guys, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't know any team in the league that can, uh, can top that um, with Derrick Henry running the ball and those two receivers running off the play action. So, I mean, obviously their biggest needs were on defense, which I'm sure Cy um, will get to. I think that was his initial reaction. So I'll let him touch on that. Um, so they get richer in the area that they were already strong um, and still have uh, holes to fill on on defense, we'll see how that works out. But, you know, you got to love the, the Julio and A.J. Brown pairing to go with that amazing run game. I think here's my question before I jump into it. What do you guys think of the Derrick Henry run game paired with these two receivers? Like, I want to get both your takes on that, Zach. I'll start with you. That, that's my first question. I think it, I think it'll actually work out really beneficial for, for um, Derrick Henry in the stance that he will definitely preserve his body a little bit more than maybe the last couple of years. Now, the guy is built like a freaking Mack truck, so it's not like durability is a factor when he gets hit. I mean, just look at what he did to Josh Norman last year. I'm not worried about him taking too much damage. But it does mean that he's not going to be a 300 carry back, in my opinion. I think if they set up a lot of play action, I think they throw more aggressively on first, on first down. And I think this is, you know, undisputably a 1,000-year a, a thousand yard year for Julio. And I think it's also potentially in a thousand yard year for AJ Brown. Um, no, I think it, it probably takes some of the volume away from Henry, but I think it might give him more opportunities in more beneficial situations. So I think his efficiency could go up because um, I mean, we've all seen what Derrick Henry can do when they're not expecting him to run or when he finally gets to that second level. So I think you're going to see even more of that when uh, teams expecting to throw a little more, but um, so less volume, probably more efficiency. Um, and obviously when you get in the red zone, um, you know, he's still going to punish you and, and get the ball in the end zone there. I think it's a little redundant. And like, obviously there was a little bias. I'm a Colts fan. Am I excited about Julio Jones playing in our division? No, I'm not excited about it. Like he is 
a generational talent, one of the greatest receivers I've ever seen play the game of football. Uh, even if he's older, when he's on or when he's on the court, when he's on the field, he's still extremely impactful. Hopefully, he can be on the field a lot. Even if he's a competitor, I, you know, our direct competitor for the Colts, I love watching Julio play, and the sport is better when Julio is playing. And I really hope he does get to play. Um, I'm just a little confused because defense and they were already not a good defense to start off with. Like the reason last year they were not able to have success wasn't their offense, it was their defense. Like they're, they're run first offense. Derrick Henry is their anchor. That should never change. I don't care if you have Michael Irvin, you know, uh, Randy Moss and Jerry Rice in their primes. Like if you have Derrick Henry and that kind of run game offensive style that you have where you can just beat people up, you should be committing to that. So Maybe they're paying Julio to be a guy that doesn't do what he's done in the past because AJ Brown is an up and coming receiver too, right? It's not like it's not like AJ Brown becomes chump chain. It's going to be both of those guys playing within the system. Um, so I'm a little, I'm a little confused what their plan on offense is going to be because obviously they'll be open planning on play action, and yes, it'll open up even more for Derrick Henry potentially. Uh, on the flip side of that, though, how drastically is the, is it making? Like, how drastically is your offensive improving? Like, how much more are you wanting Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball versus having Derrick Henry be your anchor on the offensive front and running and running, right? So that's the part that gets me a little bit because I want to see what they do on offense um, before I before I get too excited. On the flip side of that, defensively, um, this is why I'm not as worried about it as a Colts fan. They could put up, you know, 40 points in a game. Am I, am, am I super worried about, like, their defense stopping offense or other offenses though no I'm not because I genuinely think that they address the need that they didn't really need to like address to that level like sure adding another receiver might have been good for them do they need to pay 16 to 18 million dollars a year for an older receiver to come to an offense that's already got their foundation of Derrick Henry when you have 16 to 18 dollars that you could have allocated to fix another need that you had on your team that would have made you a better team holistically that's the question that I have. And like, like, I know I'm speaking from a Colts fan's perspective. Chris Ballard would never do that. Are you kidding me? Like you, if with the need that you have, you pay for an older receiver, a generational receiver, but an older veteran receiver injury, taking on a salary cap for the next couple of years. And you're missing out on a huge, huge, huge need. Like you couldn't tell me one like massive game changing playmaker on their defense. Like, could, could you, like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't Evan know. Evan Byers. <laughs> I like Kevin Byard. They have legit. They have they have two guys. I think they literally have Kevin Byard. Isn't one of their front seven guys? I think is is uh, is, is good. They're both they're both good. They're not game changers. They're not like uh, they're not like the you know I, for the Colts example. They're not DeForest Buckner or Darius Leonard. They're not Aaron Donald. They're not like they they don't they they don't have like a guy that's gonna like completely like take over a game on defense. That you know you need at least one guy and then a support system. They don't have like that anchor guy to build their defense around and yet they paid all this money and now they have an offense that's fully loaded and I'm not going to pretend like I'm not afraid of their offense I am but I also think at the same time like like uh you can't get away from Derrick Henry and my worry them getting cool means that they're going to have to like like oh we're paying Julio this amount of money AJ Brown is this good like we have Derrick Henry I, I think it makes it a little bit more complicated offensively for them and in the sense of what, what they're trying to achieve. That's that's my perspective. Um, I won't yeah. get into it too far. No, I get that point of view because it's like there's there's too many mouths to feed and there's too much talent and you're trying to create plays for all these different like you're you're trying to essentially invent plays for each one of these roles and it just can get too it can become too debilitating. 
because it doesn't become as fluid of an offense. Now I'm sure that the, these guys are professionals. They'll figure that out. No, no questions asked, but it does induce the question. Are they trying to essentially do what the Falcons did back in 2016 when they exhausted all resources offensively and they had no defense and they are somehow able to outscore their opponents. And they lived by that through the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I could see them kind of trying to build a scenario around that. Ryan Tannehill's certainly proved himself. And, you know, he's set the, with the restructure, he's set to make $40 million next year in 2022. So they're certainly committing to him. Um, but, I mean, in, in defense to into what they're trying to do, they were 18-8 and eight under Ryan Tannehill as a starter. So imagine what they do with one of the best wide receivers in the NFL who will also open up roots for A.J. Brown. I mean, it does beg the question, you know, with who, with Julio, does it truly take them to new heights, knowing that Mike Vrabel is a defensive-minded coach, knowing that despite the fact of the lack of personnel, which everyone knows, Mike Vrabel is such a defensive mastermind that he'll be able to figure it out and put the pieces of the puzzle together to ensure that they're mediocre at best, to ensure that that offense can really thrive. That's kind of my opinion on, on why they would do that. I mean, they weren't even they yeah. weren't even mediocre last year, and they 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 have less than they actually lost like several guys on the defensive front from last year, and they weren't even mediocre last year, right? Like the flip side of that is, I'm really curious to see how much they're going to run versus throw. Like they should be running, they should be giving Derrick Henry the same amount of carries as they did last year, and if they don't, then they're getting away from what makes them the the lethal team. That that they are. That, that's the way I see it. Like Derrick Henry still needs to be a focal point of your offense. And maybe that benefits them though, because maybe that means Julio maybe doesn't, maybe doesn't deal with as many injuries and stuff because he's not having to take on as much of a load or whatever it is. Hopefully that's the case. Um, the one thing I will say though, is it seems like everybody on that team wanted Julio to come. Like it doesn't seem like there's any count before the trade happened. Like AJ Brown was out there tweeting. Derrick Henry was out there tweeting. Um, and everybody was like super like, keen on the idea of him coming over and playing playing with them and so I don't think anybody's like oh you're taking away from my role I think they're embracing him and Julio is one of the most respected players in the NFL so I, I think I think any team's going to benefit from his leadership so, yeah well and, and to be clear uh, to be clear they still they only have those three guys which isn't yeah. with how much volume they get on offense because how like you know strong they are on offense like that's not that much to go around I mean obviously there are three guys that all need theirs and to your parent to your point, Derrick Henry gets a huge chunk, but it can allow them to kind of take take a little pressure off Derrick Henry early so that come playoff time, he's rushing for 200 yards a game like he usually does because they're just feeding him in the colder weather. Um, and three guys, I mean, Corey Davis got a lot of volume last year and he's gone. I mean, Johnny got the ball a little That's bit. There, there's no one else there. Um, so I don't think they're going to have any problem with having the whole two mouth, too many mouths to feed um situation I think they'll still run through Derek but it, I think it allows them to take a little bit of the heat off him specifically early and then hopefully by the end of the year like Sai said it's like you know that should still be the game plan so I'll oh, go ahead Zach. oh yeah so uh, actually you can finish off of one side because I was going to transition to that question I had for you for the Colts so no no I I, I was gonna I probably would have said some other Colts anyway so go ahead like <laughs> yes, all right questions. sweet so so essentially what the Titans did and allowing Tannehill to prove himself for a year, year and a half. Now he's certainly done that. So they're willing to, you know, extend him to make him more of a cap liability in 2022. It goes to show that the cap is truly just a number 
because essentially if they, they they really wanted Julio now, sure, they could have used that cap space for other things like defensive players. And I believe you mentioned that on the podcast here a little bit earlier, but does this not introduce maybe a potential tactic that the Colts could use with Carson, despite the fact that he hasn't played a game yet, because we know a couple of things are happening, right? They have to play, they have to pay Quentin Nelson and they certainly have to pay Darius Leonard. So when it comes to those two guys, and those guys are going to demand like top market money, considering they're arguably the best players in their a lot of positions. So it begs the question, do you try to restructure Carson Wentz's deal now, hoping and praying that he will be good? Or do you wait one year and then maybe restructure if he has proved himself? We, we have Carson Wentz on our roster and we're still the – fifth in the NFL in terms of how much cap space we have today. Like, am I worried about our cap space? Not even a little bit because Chris Ballard knows what he's doing and he wouldn't have made that trade without knowing that those extensions were coming up. We literally have money to sign another quarterback. Like we could sign another quarterback to like a top tier contract and still have some cap room left. So am I worried? No, because, and here's the thing, we're going to keep Darius Leonard. That's why we have the cap room we have left. Like like even for example, T.Y. Hilton and Xavier Rhodes who were veterans. Like we let them go test the market, and where did they end up at the end of uh, at the end of it all? At the Colts for the price we wanted them for. True. Like, so am I worried about Chris Ballard getting? No, not even a little bit. This is why I'm excited the Titans are doing things like they're doing because the one thing that we have going for us is no matter what, like even let's say Carson Wentz doesn't pan out, is our future like gone because of that? Like, do we have to like wait five years to fix the situation? No, because even with Carson Wentz in there, Carson Wentz there. Even if he's not playing, we still have the money to go, like, go get somebody or or develop somebody, and and we have the foundation where we're we're not using our other as a result of paying our quarterback. So that's why I'm not worried about it. Like, I, I I trust my GM holistically, and I trust my head coach holistically, and I have no reason not to because they had one of the you know greatest young players in NFL history retire on them, and a year later we're back in the we're back winning 11 games in the playoffs. And like like I got I got no worries. Like I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm actually super excited that like these other teams are, are paying like such big contracts because we're the ones that are just going to be sitting there like, all right, cool. Like we'll, we'll take, we'll take everything we need to improve our team and you guys can keep, you guys can keep, you know, dishing out a ton of money to veteran players. Like that's, that's just not our model. So I'm, I'm not worried. No. But here's one thing I do know. I think MDS should uh, should save one weekend and go to Nashville and watch a Titans game. And we would do that on Sunday. It should be a Colts game. There we go. Hey, we could make that work. A Colts at Titans. We go in on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We have fun on Broadway and DeMondrian. And then we walk across the bridge on Sunday afternoon and we watch the Colts at the Titans stamp. NDS is going to be there and maybe we'll get press passes. We're looking Maybe. at we're looking at, we're looking at tickets. We're looking we gotta at build some before that, my guy. <laughs> I'm also gonna I'm also gonna throw it out to any of our loyal viewers and listeners. You know, if you guys want to make a little trip with MDS and hang out with the, hang out with the crew and uh, get to know us a little better, feel free to an MDS Tickets coming out soon. Tickets coming soon. Tickets coming soon. You, we might have sponsorcation here. We'll see what happens. If I if I understood correctly, I think you wanted to answer all these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we should touch on it quickly. I mean, uh, obviously the big news right now is the MLB really starting to crack down on their uh, quote unquote sticky substances, which has created a lot of uh, a lot of buzz. So just announced that. I guess that's pop. 
some kind of sticky substance, get a 10 game suspension. Um, and perhaps more importantly, the, um, the team can't fill that roster spot over those 10 games. So they have to play a roster spot short um, is the big news. They get paid though. Yeah, they do get paid, which is like the, the loss of a roster spot to the team is huge, but they're still getting paid. Um, Garrett Cole, who we all know has been cheating for years. Obviously, he's an Astros guy. Awful interview. Um, who basically said that I mean, was yeah, hilarious. Yeah, I'm using sticky substances, but so is everyone else. Um, and the big thing I wanted to ask you today, I don't know if you saw Glassnow's comments. I don't know if it was last night or today. Um, partial tear in his UCL could be out for the year. Um, and he blamed it on the fact that he usually uses uh, sunscreen and rosin, which is common. Um to kind of get that stickiness and he obviously wasn't able to do it in his most recent start where he tore tore the UCL um, and is now out for the year and he went on a pretty 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 big time post-game rant saying that that was why um, because it gripped the ball recently so I don't know if you saw his comments and what you think about what you think about that if you think that's um that's fair and just generally what are your takes on on the whole well, maybe, maybe if you uh, maybe if you decided not to use the sticky stuff in the first place, you wouldn't be so reliant on that giving you the grip strength to to handle your arm. I mean, come on, bro. Like, and, and your counter argument might be, yo, like all these other people are using it, but that's their that they're putting themselves in that position as well. So, like, if you're, it's like it's like the. I mean, it's not as far blow, far blown as like you know steroids or sign sealing in the way that we've seen it. But I, I I look at it in a similar length for pitchers, right? Because I think to myself, I'm like. Y'all, uh, y'all are giving yourself an advantage, and if you're complaining that you're not allowed to have that advantage because people are doing it around you, that's like saying, that's like saying, like, oh, like they drank when they were 18, so I should be allowed to drink when I'm 18. I mean, come on, like that's that's such a that's a, I I don't I don't buy that at all. I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe maybe it wasn't as good for you to grip the ball. That's not why you tore your UCL like in one start later, bro. It's like, come on, like you, you, I I don't I don't buy into the fact that in that short period of time which you weren't allowed to use sunspin rods and that that happened. Like, if you are a great pitcher, go out there and pitch without the sticky stuff. And don't blame your injuries on the fact that you were cheating before and you're not allowed to cheat anymore. I mean, come on. Like, that, like that, is, that is so ridiculous to me. And I like Glass. And I think he's so fun to watch. Like, and I wish him the best. I don't I don't want to – I don't want to see him out. Like, uh, I just I'm, – I'm not big on that, uh, that whole methodology, right? Like, even if it's players that we do like, it's like – learn how to be good without, without cheating. Like that's, that's really, that's really how I, how I look at it. Like if we're going to blame people for sign stealing, we need to blame them for the sticky stuff too. It's the same situation in the sense of your, your, it's an unwritten thing that people do. Well, if you get caught, you caught. Like it's really what it comes down to. Yeah. I lean with Sai like a hundred percent here. Now, Ev, do you mind explaining to like the audience, like essentially like this substance, does it just give them more control on the ball? So like the sliders will slide more across the plate breaking balls will break a little bit more 12-6 like what what's the deal here with it yeah so I actually just listened to this uh, Trevor Bauer as always gave a great interview um I think it was earlier today um on the Dodger. A very known cheater let's just throw it out there All before right. before you get too much class I will <laughs> review your comments um after we get back to Zach but, but yeah so basically every baseball before it's put into play they rub it up with this dirt or this clay Mm -hmm. um, which is meant to give you a little bit of grip so you don't need anything. But by the time the game starts and it's in the middle of the game, that's, it's all dried up and the ball's really slick. Um, so it's not even necessarily about, about cheating per se, although obviously in this day and age, it's all about spin rate. So you, so you do want that extra grip and that extra spin. But in a lot of cases, it really just is about being able to grip the ball like you need to, to, to command it and control it where you want to go. So um, Zach, do you want to... Jump in with anything else because I have 
Not really. It makes sense. Yeah. But I want I want you inside to go toe to toe. Let's 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 yeah. clarify let's clarify something before we get into this. Evan and Evan and Alex are like the biggest Trevor Bauer stands that aren't like you know Dodgers fans or fans of his before. So let's let's make sure the bias is out there before before Evan makes his defense. It's be, and now go ahead, Evan. All right. Yeah. So um, my initial reaction to Glass Now's comment specifically was kind of like like all right, dude. That's like you know. Um, but the more you think about it, the timing of it all, like literally his first start after he has to completely change up how he, how he pitches. Um, and, and using the word cheating is interesting because it's this, this is actually a written rule. Unlike some of the unwritten rules, this is in the rule book that you can't use any kind of other sticky substance, but it's been in the rule book for a hundred years and it's never been enforced. So the MLB all of a sudden in the middle of the season decides to, to change that. And yes, there's an element of, okay, well, you've been cheating, cheating, um, even though it's not enforced. Um, so you shouldn't be that mad about having to stop, but it's like, it's so embedded in the game and these guys going up through the minor leagues, that's always how they've done it. So for them to have to do it, they do it in the middle of a season, a season is, is a little crazy to me, which was Bauer's main point. And for the record, Bauer is spot on here. He actually wants them to enforce this. He's been asking them to enforce this for multiple years. Um, but his point now is it's like, you're going to change it in the middle of the season. Like that just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense with all these loopholes they still have out there. Like the sunscreen one, it's like, well, I have to be wearing sunscreen. Um, and like the pine tar thing is hilarious too, because it's like, so hitters can do whatever they want basically to get extra grip on the bat, but pitchers can't. Like, it's kind of a double standard there, too, which is pretty interesting. And he made the joke about, so, like, Justin Turner is a guy that, like, really pie tars up his bat. So, Justin Turner goes out, hits a home run, comes back in the dugout, gives Trevor Bauer a high five. Oh, he's got the pie tar on his head. Like, what is he going to do now? He's got to go wash his hands, like, somewhat facetiously. <laughs> but it's, like, there's all types of loopholes that the MLB just chose not to figure out. Um, and the ironic part is when they take away that roster spot, then you have pitchers that are overworked because they can't compensate for that. And then that brings up injury risks. So it's just like, again, like Trevor said, I'm all for them enforcing it. I think it's, it's good. Um, but like, it's just a complete mess as it always is with the MLB and how they, how they go about their business. So. Well, here's what I'll say. I think timing wise, it's not great. Like I'm no. with you there. Ab. Like, like it would have been, it would have been much better if they enforced it at the beginning of the season or after, but at some point it had to be enforced. And like, Cool. I'm glad you're on that train, Trevor Bauer. But if we're going to talk about double standards, like let's let's not pretend like he doesn't have some hypocrisy in the things that he does. And I'm not trying to like I'm not going to make this all the bro session on Trevor Bauer. But this dude has been using sticky stuff. He's been well, but they all like, pretty much they all do. Like, no, no, it's not all of them. A lot of them much. do. I'm not disputing. A lot of them do. But if you're going to go out and be like, oh, I want the MLB to enforce it, and you're still going to use it, like come on, bro. Like I'm not going to I'm not going to give you credit for that. Like you you go out and say a lot of stuff on her, but like stand by that and i'll and i'll give you i'll give you credit if you haven't been using it and you're upset that other people are gaining an advantage because of it and then you want to go out in there and call people out on it sure but if your argument is oh other people are using it, i want them to enforce it but since other people are going to use it i'm going to use it i don't give you respect for that like and i'm not even saying trevor Bauer isn't a great and i'm not even the people that use the sticky stuff aren't like i'm not trying to say like they're not good pitchers but i am saying that they've used it to their benefit so i'm not going to sit here and feel sympathy for you um in that sense timing wise i'm with you though Ed. like the way the way they handled it wasn't good i don't i don't stand by the notion of glass now like benefit like i don't stand by the notion yeah i know what happened in the in the, in the middle of the season however like 
if you've been using it to, to benefit you, like you might've hurt yourself in spring training when you're trying to, when you're trying to throw without it. It's not like the preparation time, all of a sudden, like if you've been pitching with this stuff for years, like you're going to be able to figure it out. Like if you were given more, more time, it can happen at, at any point if, if they change the rules. So I don't, I don't know if I totally agree with that. There's a lot to it, but we can we can jump around. Um, we got to switch uh, switch recordings here in five minutes. But Zach, I wanted to get some takes on um, the fight card over the weekend. Adesanya Vittori, uh, some pretty good fights on there. What are your what are your takes on uh, on that card? If you watched, man, I'm just glad you didn't mention that Logan Paul Mayweather fight. I was uh, going to, but I was like, I mean, if you got stuff to say <laughs> on that, but I, it's not. Is it even worth it? Like, no, no. Yeah, if we I'll talk, on if we talk about it. If we talk about it, then we're giving it weight, and that's just exactly. like something we need weight to. So exactly. Let's just move on. I mean, hey, hats off. They both made millions of dollars. But moving on to real fighting, um, you know, I, I was actually really impressed with the card. It, now, it wasn't a, a knockout, and you saw the tweet from John Jones essentially yawning, aka boring fight. It just, he's not a fan of Adesanya's performance. Um, however, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really interesting fight. I thought Vittori did everything that he should have done, considering Blahovich when he last fought Adesanya. And side just for context, this is essentially the first professional loss um, for Israel Adesanya in his in his last fight. And the reason he lost is he first of all he went up a weight division, so he went from one eighty five to two oh five, didn't even make the two oh five. And then he fought a guy that was arguably 25 pounds heavier than he was because once Blahovich came back the next day, he came in like probably 225, 230. And so what he did was he took Israel Adesanya, and it's never been seen before. So flash forward to this fight, Adesanya is trying to get back on the wind train. And Vittori, who's kind of like this Italian bruiser type of fighter, he's, he's very interesting. I think he was like the third ranked contender E, right? But he, um, he wanted to take the same strategy. So even after Israel Adesanya, he was throwing those low calf kicks. As you can see, he kind of swept the leg, tucked it under, and he brought him in for a takedown. The thing is, is you got to give Adesanya credit. He, Adesanya could not stay on the ground. He was so quick to get back up to his feet and put together a brilliant performance. His combinations of just like multi-punch combinations into a nasty leg kick missed him barely with like two debilitating head head kicks i mean like i couldn't feel the air from that head kick as he barely missed them so overall i thought it was a great performance for both fighters adesanya undeniably one fight and i'm excited for him in his next one i'm not sure what he's going to do i guess he challenged the uh the aussie uh bobby knuckles uh whitaker bobby knuckles but yeah, yeah. what do you think you what was, what was, no. what was your takeaway yeah, that's what we expect to see out of Adesanya. Like, if you can't take him down like Lahovich did, then you're in trouble because he's just gonna he's gonna set away at distance and he's gonna chew you up with those leg kicks and you're not gonna be able to touch him because he's so damn long. Um, he's just gonna chew you up over five rounds. Like, he doesn't need to knock people out because they can't even really lay a finger on him if they can't take him to the ground. So, um, pretty dominant, kind of what I expected out of him. Um, the rest of the fights were good though. Like Brandon Moreno winning the UFC title there. Um, was, was probably huge. one of that was Mexico, probably one, was yeah huge. that was probably one of the cooler moments I've seen watching UFC, which is you know a little more limited than some, but um, that was a lot of fun just to see the emotion on his face and and then Figueroa with the, just such a classy response after um, lifting him up and, and giving him his time to shine it was cool and then the Nate 
I wanted Nate to come back and finish Leon that fifth so bad. Oh. My, my question to you, I was watching with Marty, who, like, literally when that happened, and my reaction was similar. I was like, it felt like Nate didn't want to finish him. And I'm not going to say that Nate, like, wasn't, you know, trying to win the fight or anything like that. But it felt like Lee, like he almost had him, and he just needed to seal the deal, and he kind of backed off, like, the second he had him wobbled. I don't know if you had that reaction, but it really felt to me like Nate easily could have finished him in that fifth round um, if he wanted to, and he just kind of chose not to. And again, there's more to it, but with a guy like Nate that's never afraid of getting knocked out, especially when you're down four rounds to nothing, um, and you're about to come up with this miraculous win, I wish, I mean, again, I'm not not a fighter, so I don't know, but... Um, it really, really seemed like he could have had that if he wanted it. But regardless, I thought it was awesome that he almost came back and won that. Yeah, no, un- unbelievable performance by uh, Nate Diaz as well, sticking around that triathlon type of cardio. And, you know, he, he clocked them. And the, the best way is how he clocked them. The infamous Stockton slap with the left hand that just straight through Leon Edwards. And then he pointed at him and he did his thing. But you're right. He did kind of weirdly back off. And I mean, Leon, it was, it was an exciting fight for him. I want him to get a legitimate contender shot. Maybe I think right now they're lining them up with Jorge based on the three piece soda combination that they threw, you know, post fight um, couple, I guess a year ago now, but overall, I mean, happy for both fighters, but I think Leon's the better fighter. So I'm happy about the decision. Yeah, can't take away from Leon's performance overall. Great performance.